0: It's time for another episode of the Shift Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, July 12th. I'm your host, Mike Mahary. Thanks for tuning in. <music> Greetings and welcome to Easy Street, where money flows and stock markets grow, or something like that. This was Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell's week in the spotlight, and he didn't do anything to dampen expectations of an interest rate cut. In fact, he stoked optimism that the easy money would keep right on flowing. During congressional hearings on Wednesday, Powell hinted that a rate cut is on the horizon. This sent stocks climbing once again because, you know, the stock market loves easy street. The S&P 500 actually pushed above 3,000 for a while, and as of close yesterday, it was at 2,999.91. It also sent gold surging back above $1,400 an ounce. The yellow metal tanked on Friday after the jobs report came out way better than expected. The headlines declared the jobs report dampened recession fears and muted expectations that the Fed would cut interest rates during the July meeting. As the yellow metal began to plummet, Peter Schiff tweeted that the markets were overreacting. And he later called the jobs report no big deal during his podcast. And it appears, at least as far as the Fed is concerned, Peter was right. Powell was still talking about heightened risks from the trade war and a slowing global economy all this week. Powell said uncertainties about the outlook have increased in recent months, adding that a number of government policy issues have yet to be resolved, including trade developments, the federal debt ceiling, and Brexit. He said the uncertainties around global growth and trade continue to weigh on outlook, and he said in addition, inflation continues to be muted. He also actually downplayed the jobs report, saying we don't have any basis or any evidence for calling this a hot labor market. To call something hot, you need to see some heat. And while we hear lots of reports of companies having a hard time finding qualified labor, nonetheless, we don't really see wages really responding. The minutes from the June FOMC meeting also came out this week, and they also seem to indicate a rate cut is on the horizon. And comments Powell made yesterday added even more fuel to the fire. Powell said, The bottom line is, the economy is in a very good place, and we want to use our tools to keep it there. Powell didn't flat out say, a rate cut is coming this week, but what he didn't say is just as significant, and the Fed chair didn't say anything at all to roll back easy money expectations. This has all been really good for gold. As I mentioned, it pushed back above $1,400, and we're on track for a weekly gain. As I record this podcast, it's trading around 1408 Now, you did notice Powell's theme, didn't you? The U.S. economy is good. Of course it's good. But we're going to cut rates to make sure it stays good because there are bad things out there globally. Now, let's just call a spade a spade. This is course crap. This is all about the stock market and keeping the bubbles inflated. The markets expect a rate cut, and by and large, the Fed gives the markets what they expect. Now, this isn't just ex- uh, mere speculation on my part, this is a fact. The World Gold Council noted this in its mid year outlook report that it released yesterday. The report said, quote, The Fed may not do what the market asks, but it generally doesn't like to surprise it either. In recent history, the Fed adjusted its fund rate in line with expectation whenever the market's implied probability of such outcome was 65% or higher. The only notable exception was the rate cut announced during an unscheduled Federal Open Market Committee meeting in January 2008 when the global financial crisis began to unfold. So when the markets expect a rate cut, The markets almost always get a rate cut. What's insane to me about this, and this is something I don't hear anybody in the mainstream talking about, is the fact that this isn't a turn onto Easy Street. We never left Easy Street. We've been operating under a loosey-goosey easy money policy for more than a decade. Quote, interest rate normalization got us to 2.5%. That ain't normal, ladies and gentlemen. It's given us massive asset bubbles, but economic growth has really been pretty tepid over that time. Stop and consider this. It's taken an insane amount of monetary stimulus to create an economy. We've had record fiscal stimulus in the form of government spending with massive deficits during a so-called recovery. We have normal interest rates of 2.5%. We got the Powell pause, and now we're talking about rate cuts. As Peter said, this is a massive monetary stimulus, even though we haven't even had a rate cut yet. So the economy is getting all of this monetary stimulus. It's getting all of this fiscal stimulus, and it's barely growing. Of course, it's not even growing at all. It's really just a big, fat, ugly bubble. Underscoring what I'm saying is the amount of spending that's going on in Washington, D.C., In fact, Secretary of the Treasury Steve Mnuchin wants Congress to go ahead and raise the debt ceiling before the August recess because analysts now think the government will hit its borrowing limit earlier than expected. According to a report by The Hill, a study by the Bipartisan Policy Center said there was a significant risk that the U.S. government would reach the debt ceiling by early September. This would occur just after the summer recess. It had previously projected the government would run up against the debt ceiling in late October or November. Congress raised the debt ceiling just four months ago. The Treasury has already implemented extraordinary measures in an effort to stem the tide. So... This seems a little less than ideal, right? You know, it's interesting because the Keynesians like to finger point at those of us who predicted all of this monetary stimulus would lead to inflation and tell us how wrong we were. They point to muted CPI numbers to make their case. But Wolf Richter over at Wolf Street did a really good podcast explaining that we did indeed get inflation out of all of the stimulus. He called it pernicious, dangerous inflation. I'm going to link to that article uh, that I wrote summarizing Richter's analysis, but in a nutshell, he pointed out the extreme levels of asset inflation that we've gotten over the last decade plus. Think about the way real estate prices rise. Say you bought a house in 2019 for $200,000, and then you sell it uh, five years later for $300,000. Now, that doesn't mean that the house grew 50% in size or that it magically created new features, assuming, of course, you didn't do any renovations. No, the house is basically the same, right? I mean, it just got a little bit older. What this really tells you is that the dollar with regards to this house lost much of its purchasing power. This is inflation. It's no different than consumer price inflation. It's just manifesting in different parts of the economy. Now get this, between 2013, January 2013, and December 2018, house price inflation in the U.S. came in at 42% nationally, and it was much higher in a number of metro areas. We can also determine the price inflation of the stock market. It's a little more complicated because, of course, companies do grow. Revenues and earnings can increase. But looking at the price-to-earnings ratio, you can get a gauge on how much of the increase in the value of a stock is due to the growth of the company and how much is just asset price inflation. If you look at the S&P 500 since 2012, nearly half of the gains are nothing but pure price inflation. So the Keynesians can mock and finger point all they want to, but the inflation is out there. It may not be showing up in CPI, but there is asset price inflation. And eventually, these asset bubbles always burst. Economics 101, rising prices eventually kill demand. So the bubbles can't keep inflating forever. And since these assets are almost always highly leveraged, think housing mortgages, the bust almost always impacts banks and then the broader financial markets, a la 2008. There was some other interesting gold news out there this week. China added gold to its reserves for the seventh straight month in June, And Poland has become a big gold buyer. That country has added 100 tons of gold to its reserves in the first half of this year, and it plans to repatriate at least half of its gold holdings. I'll link to some articles on the show notes page with more details about this that'll give you a little insight to what's going on. Investors are apparently turning to gold. Holdings in global gold-backed ETFs surged in June, charting their largest monetary increase in seven years, driven by increased geopolitical uncertainty, fear of an economic slowdown, and widespread anticipation of looser central bank monetary policy. Ah, easy street. Globally, gold holdings in ETFs rose sharply by 127 tons last month, according to the latest data from the World Gold Council. Inflows into ETFs globally totaled about 5.5 billion dollars last month. Global assets under management in gold-backed ETFs rose 15% to 115 billion dollars. That's the largest monthly increase since 2012. Gold-backed ETFs grew by 4.3% as a percentage of gold during the first half of 2019, despite outflows of metal in February, April, and early May. So, it looks like easy street is paved with gold. Inflows of gold into ETFs are significant in their effect on the world gold market, pushing overall demand higher. So what's the difference between owning ETF shares and physical metal? Well, ETFs are backed by physical gold, held by the issuer, and they're traded on the market like stocks. They allow investors to play gold without having to buy full ounces of metal at spot price. Many speculative investors like this liquidity. And there are good reasons to invest in ETFs, but they aren't a substitute for owning physical metal. In an overall investment strategy, Shift Gold recommends buying gold bullion first. To learn more about the difference and to get a handle on the investing strategy that will work best for you, you need to talk to a Shift Gold precious metal specialist today. You can do that by just calling 1-888-GOLD160. Well, that's a gold wrap for this week from Easy Street. You can get more details on all of these stories and more, and keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week at shiftgold.com slash news. And if you haven't done it already, you can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap over at iTunes or on the Shift Gold YouTube channel. We appreciate it if you thumb us up over on YouTube. Uh, you'll find links on the show notes page to all this stuff. And if you're listening on YouTube, make sure you share your thoughts. We always like to hear your comments and thoughts about what's going on in the gold and financial markets. So for this week, that's a gold wrap, and I'll talk to you next time.